Hello there, nerds, and welcome to Go To There, 30 Rock Podcast, a weekly chronological journey through 30 Rock, looking at the jokes, the references, the highs, the lows, and all of the blurbs that come with one of the best shows of the 21st century. As always, I'm your host, Curtis Stone, and joining me is... David Amick. And welcome to episode 90, season 5, episode 10, entitled Christmas Attack Zone, originally airing December 9th, 2010. David, if you would please give us a quick summary slash synopsis of this episode. It's almost Christmas Day, and Lewis has decided not to go home for Christmas and gets an invite to Jack's holiday, excuse me, Christmas gathering. <laughs> His Christmas attack zone. <laughs> But trouble ensues when it turns out that Jack hasn't told his mother Colleen about either Avery's pregnancy or that he's found his real father, leading to a big confrontation. Meanwhile, in order to win his Oscar, Tracy has decided that he needs to be very serious and decides to buy the rights to the Chunks movie sequel so it can't get out and his serious image cannot be ruined. Finally, Jenna's reeling from her breakup with Paul, especially because she keeps coming up with costume ideas for the new Queer's Eve ball that she can't execute without a partner. Yeah, there you go. Very good. It only took five minutes. No, um, no, I think this is, uh, I mean, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves just because it's only been a couple weeks, but I think this is continuing, uh, another solid episode for 30 Rock. Uh, I don't think it's their strongest Christmas episode that they've done, um, Mostly because, I don't know, I just, I feel like this didn't need to be a Christmas episode. You know what I mean? I mean, I know like Jack's story is all about it. And that's sort of like a lot of all of each character's uh, storylines are around that. But I don't know, it just didn't feel like a lot of Christmassy vibes to me. Like this wouldn't be an episode I consider a holiday episode, despite the fact that they theme everything around holiday or around Despite Christmas. they're going home for Christmas dinner yeah, no, and I mean, singing like, holiday songs. I don't know. There's just something about like the Ludacristmas episode and things like that. Like there was a more Christmassy vibe to it whereas this just felt more like uh, it was it was second it was second nature to all of that. Like you didn't need this to be around the holidays. This could have just been them getting together for I don't know. I don't know. Just, I guess it didn't have to be but I mean holidays is a good time when people are true. going home with their families so it was and yeah. it's the it's a good catalyst. You don't have to do a lot of plot machinations to get them all in one place, I guess. That's true. That's yeah. true. But I mean, you know, we, so we get Elizabeth Banks back, we get Elaine Stritch back, and we get Alan Alda back, and they are all finally in the same room uh, confronting Colleen. And of course, Colleen just does a fantastic job as the victim, <laughs> immediately gets everyone back on her side, despite the fact that she's been lying to her son for 50 years and her and his father for 50 years and has run down Avery for being pregnant out of wedlock like immediately she's just, and it's it's kind of predictable like you know she's gonna play the heart attack route because it's just it's I even when I was watching the episode for the first time I was like she's gonna fake a heart attack because well, she's old was, wasn't it a stroke no she, no they I think she just like her arm was wasn't or like her side tingling and what going numb or something I thought she was doing well here's the fun thing women don't feel the pains in their arms when they have heart attacks Oh. That was something I learned because my mom had a heart attack several years ago. And I was like, how are the pains in your arm feeling? She said, like, I didn't feel that. And then I learned that women don't have that feeling. It's only men that get that. Or maybe it's like a small percentage of women or something like that. But um, Thanks, Dr. Stone. You're welcome. Anytime. Uh, but no, so I, I just always read it as a heart attack because she's saying shortness of be. breath and things like that. I guess but I heard tingling and assumed stroke, but I mean, I guess it, yeah. could, it doesn't necessarily well, I mean, do that. Some, some, yeah. some, I don't know, we're not doctors, quick but. coming medical malady. Right, right. Well, because I, I think there's a line later in the hospital and they say it wasn't a heart attack. Okay. So, I don't know. Anyway, did you see the thing with Rand Paul earlier today? He had a stroke on a live stream? Uh, nope. It was, I mean, I, don't, I have no Thanks. affinity against or for him, but like, it was kind of terrifying because like, I guess someone had asked him a question, so they cut to him to answer it and he just starts his, his spiel in like five seconds, like you just see the left side of his face start like drooping and he gets like really like slurred speech and then they cut back to the guy I guess that he was interviewing with and like he has like this look of what the fuck do I do like it was it was it was kind of terrifying because I've never really seen anything like that but uh yikes no I did not see that that yeah I'm sure you'll I'm sure you'll see it now yeah Um, I remember the yeah there's a famous one from a couple years ago where Wendy Williams was like doing her monologue or something like all of them just like collapsed in the middle of it and that I mean the look on her face before is like I I saw a ghost or something it's terrifying I don't want to discredit her but 
I know she has a reputation for being super overdramatic. So I remember seeing that and I was like, was she doing that like legitimately? Yeah, no, she that was yeah, like, yeah, it was like, because I mean, if she, because I feel like she stood went to there. the hospital and like, I think her. And then she like fell over and I was like, well, is yeah. this real? No, or? it was like they had, yeah, I mean, she went to the hospital. I think they had like, I guess host repeats or something because mm. she didn't host the show for mm. That's sad. A little bit, but I anyway. Because I feel like I remember seeing that and she like, she stood there like she just stopped reading the teleprompter and then collapsed and i was like oh she's just being because i mean there's the there's the thing with tyra banks on american next top model where she was like i'm just so tired as she gets up and then she like collapses well, that was just bad acting no but uh, right and that's uh, i don't know with any anyone who's whose mo is to be super dramatic and over the top you always for me i take it a little bit with a grain of salt like are they actually legitimate or is this just being played? But I mean, I guess I was wrong in the Wendy Williams thing. So you're thinking you're not a doctor then? No, well, no, it's different. Like, even if I were. A is doctor, this really I'm... cancer or are you just pretending? <laughs> I'm not going to operate on you until you know. swear on this Bible. This mole doesn't look as, as maligned as you think it is. I don't know. Anyway, anyway. getting back on topic. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, there's that storyline. And then we have. Like, Liz definitely takes a back seat in most of this episode because it's really, like, she's a part of the Jack storyline, but she's not really, she's not really vital to any of it other than she's the one that reveals everything. But, like, that that still could have come about any other way. Um, but then we have the Tracy storyline, which it's one of the heartfelt moments. I think it's, it's a good character development for Tracy to show, like, he is growing and, and maturing as a performer and, and as an entertainer. So I think it's good for him. I think he does a good thing, even though he has my best line of the episode, but also a horrible line, <laughs> like in and out of context. It's, it's not great, um, but we'll get there. Uh, and then we have the uh, the Jenna and Paul storyline, which is, is a smaller chunk of the episode, but it is one of the reasons, well, it is the reason uh, this episode has been pulled and is no longer available for streaming uh, because of their costume. Uh, Paul goes as uh, Natalie Portman's character in The Black Swan, and Jenna dresses up as an African-American footballer from the Steelers. Uh, Lynn Swan. Lynn Swan. So, so both Black Swans. And both Black I mean, it's a good costume idea, but you did not need to go full blackface for it. Like, it's really creative. She could have just worn the jersey and not been enough, but she went too far. Um, but yeah that's Christmas Attack Zone bye bye no uh, any other thoughts before we hop in any other thoughts you have <laughs> no I'm, I've got it all out I'm okay. ready <laughs> yeah so actually like I, I thought that if it's not the best episode of the season so far it's definitely the best episode in a while because mm-hmm. the and the one a couple ago obviously we talked about what was rough and last week was better but it wasn't like this. this felt more classic like 30 rock tempo jokes and mm-hmm. everything to me so i liked it a lot um on the other hand though like i i totally see why it was pulled because in the in the first gen in the first gen of blackface episode like it was played totally as her like her being clueless and the jokes mm-hmm. on her but in this one it's it's not at all it just played straight up as jenna doing blackface for a for a party costume so it's uh, I don't know. Yeah, like she's fully aware. Yeah, and the sh- the show just didn't play it as a joke in the same way. So, I mean, the joke is the visual. Well, right. Of course, I, I mean, mean the wordplay of, of two black swans. Like, I right. guess it's like clever from that angle. But in I don't know. But it, you know, in, in the actual practice, like it's it's I don't know. Like it's basically doing straightforward blackface. I guess so. It's yeah. I, don't know. I mean, she and I, I. We I mentioned it back in that episode where Jenna looks super uncomfortable doing the blackface, and I still, I still stand by that in that episode. And even in this episode, I was watching, I was thinking, I don't know how comfortable she is still doing this joke because I don't know. Like, she, it's not discomfort in her singing because even though we don't know if she's singing to a crowd or not, it looks like she's just singing on an empty state soundstage. I don't know, but. I don't know. There's she still looks uncomfortable playing it, so I don't know if that really is what she feels in those moments, or or that's her as an actress saying, "I don't want to do this, but I kind of have to." I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm not defending it in any way. But like you said, like she's fully aware now that what she's doing is blackface. So it's not like she's doing it as some sort of cultural or social study. It's literally it's for a costume. So it's 
it's way more inexcusable uh, than it was when she first did it. So yeah, I, mean, I right. I got I would, right. I was just thinking from the from the show perspective, like yeah. At least the first time it was like the whole point was the cluelessness of Jen as a character, and this time it, it was you know what I mean. Like there was there there wasn't really any I don't know. Like there was no joke behind it other than no. like the 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 wordplay of like the costume idea. Yeah. So it was it was a much more straightforward portrayal of it. So not the. I mean, I would say in retrospect, but even at the time, I mean, 2010 wasn't that that long ago. Like, you know, no, it was only 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, no, I, no, I definitely think it's an absolutely good move to, to pull the episode. Well, that's the thing. Like, it sucks that, because, like the like I said, the episode is one of the strongest of the season, if not the strongest. So, for me, for me, so it's a shame yeah. that it's like it's not available anymore. Because well, we'll see how the upcoming episodes are. Maybe they'll be good. But it's like if it goes back to the level of the past couple like events kind of yeah run of episodes but we'll yeah. see i guess and it, and it is kind of a shame because there is some plot development in this episode so unless you can just clue into the fact that from last episode to this to the you skip an episode and go to the next one then it's like i don't know when you finally find out that Colleen and Alan Alda known that Jack knows that they're the parent and Colleen knows that Jack and Avery are having a kid. There's now like, there's a missing bit there. Mm. You know what I mean? Which I mean, not that the lore of 30 rock is that dense that you need that extra information, but just for, you know, storytelling sake, there's now a bit of missing from that, but it's not that big of a deal. Um, You're not really watching 30 rock for the in-depth dense storytelling that it has. You're watching it for jokes and bits. So but it's one less Elaine Stritch episode, and Elaine Stritch doesn't have any bad episodes on this show. No, she really doesn't. So, yeah. It's a detriment, but it's a detriment that is totally understandable. So, any other thoughts before we hop in? Let's hop in. All right. So, the cold open is basically going to set up all three storylines. Uh, we'll uh, piece them together when we get there. Merry Christmas Eve, Eve, Jack. Likewise, Lemon, is there any chance you'll still be around tomorrow? Sure. You want to go to the Penn Station Kmart with me and then watch Tootsie? I'm sorry, that's what you're doing instead of spending Christmas Eve with your family? It's my new thing. Travel on Christmas Day. That way, I avoid the annual Lemon family blow-up. And this year, it's going to be a doozy. My Aunt Linda is bringing her new boyfriend, who is neither her age nor her race. And her ex-husband will also be there with his date, Alcoholism. I swoop in the next day for presents and pie. Well, if you're around, come by for dinner. Colleen will be up from Florida, and uh, she'd love to see you. Because my youthful energy makes her feel young? No, because she views you as a peer, she can complain with about how no one wears pantyhose any longer. Ugh, how are we supposed to conceal our spider veins? Bare-legged Christmas. Okay, guys, this Cable Town promo is the last thing we have to do before the holiday break. Liz Lemon, I cannot participate in this promo. Why? Because it's not honest. As an actor, it is my job to tell the truth, hold the mirror to humanity, and sell proactive. I will not spout your lies, Liz Lemon, and I will not say Merry Christmas from Cable Town. Ever since Tracy got nominated for a Golden Globe, he thinks he's Sean Penn. Well, they have both had screaming fights with Wyclef Jean. We'll just do this without him. Merry Christmas, Jenna. You can say both lines. Merry Christmas from Cable Town and all of us at DGS. I think we got it. If only there were a third cast member they could use to say the lines for the promo. Ah, who could that possibly be? I don't know, but whoever it is, they're not in this episode either. No, you're right. I didn't. I, it's, at this point, it's like I just don't. Like, it'll be a more. I won't even notice it literally until he shows up. I'm just stop, stop keeping yeah. track. Well, I don't think I would have noticed it except for right after Jenna walked off. I was my first. My first thought was, well, wait a second, there's still another person who's technically a cast member, but that's not how this scene resolves, so. Mm, unfortunately. Wait, are, are you okay? Tom Ford and Elton John invite you to New Queer's Eve. What is this? NQE is the New Year's party. Everyone dresses up as a cultural figure from the past year. Also replicas of the David Urinate vodka. Oh, God. Paul and I were going to come up with an amazing couple's costume. But now that he's gone, what's the point? This party means so much to me. I don't know what I'm going to do without it. The party or Paul? 
the party, Liz. Good news! We don't have to do these promos after all. NBC says they want them from every show but us. Good year, everyone. So in that scene, Tracy is wearing his serious artiste mm-hmm. all black getup that I'm pretty sure he's been wearing since his Golden Globes uh, press party to woo them over with the screening. Because he yeah. definitely was wearing it then, and I think he's been wearing it since. So yeah. I know it's not only that, he's, he only wears that now, but also like you can t- like he's like very closely enunciating all of his words now. So I mean, he's working hard to improve his yes. image. But I mean, he's, he loses points for having a giant gold or diamond chain that says poverty on it. That just shows how much he cares for the povertists. Mm, yeah, I guess so. But yeah, he's doing he's doing well. He's, he's doing his best. But yeah, um, yeah, he, he's in that for... Yeah, he's been in a couple episodes. I'm trying to think, was he in it last? I don't think he was in it last episode, but... I guess when he's doing his promotional tours, that's what he likes to wear. It shows he's serious. Yeah. But that's such an old fashioned idea. Like I don't I remember seeing that as like a a joke in like tons of like eighties and nineties movies and sitcoms of like that was how you presented yourself as serious as you just wore like a black beret or some sort of beret and like a turtleneck or something like I just I don't see how that I mean obviously it doesn't happen anymore, but somehow it's still pres- I guess a lot of people on Thirty Rock wrote saw it as a joke growing up too and was yeah. just like I guess that's the thing that's just what people wore to be taken seriously I think so like I think that's just, I, I right. it's, it's just like the Yoko type. Ono thing right she she wore she uh Yoko Ono wore that that sort of yeah. dress I guess so yeah I think I yeah like I just feel that. like I don't know I feel like historically that's like the very like art hipstery whatever yeah. type thing it's probably okay. I mean Tizen's Bray probably dates back to France in some way of like mm. or yeah you know french artists and mm-hmm. writers and etc cetera, etc cetera, so yeah. but yeah i mean i think it's just so right i mean i guess probably not really people dress like really like that but you're right that i think that it's just it embedded evokes, in the cultural yeah. brain as that so yeah just, you see that you think yes anyway back from the opening we go up to jack's office and avery's there and She's surprised to see Liz, and we learned a little bit of, uh, I guess you could say, TV magic. Uh, what Christmas card did we end up sending out? Oh, uh, hmm. Happy holidays is what terrorists say. Merry Christmas, Avery and Jack. Oh, it's just Liz. Why do people always say that? Avery's keeping her pregnancy a secret at work. So she's been carrying around large objects whenever she's in the building. I was wondering what was up with your show last night. The market rallying today despite a pullback in gold stocks. <laughs> so in that scene, she's holding a ham with a big black top hat on it. It looks like Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Which just, I mean, is the giant ham not big enough to I, cover her something? No. It looked pretty big. but I'm not sure why it's, uh, I don't know, seems a little extra. Yeah. yeah, it's funny though. No, that's why it's funny, but it's like, why, like, why, it's <laughs> why the top hat on top of the ham? Uh, yeah, but I mean, that's obviously a nod to a lot of sitcoms when they're trying to hide an actress's pregnancy that the storyline doesn't have them being pregnant. They'll they'll generally have a, either like looser fitting, larger clothing, like flowy clothing, or they'll be carrying things in a scene to hide their stomach. It's a very common trope at this point. Um yeah that's interesting it's a shame though like they have to do that like i get it well i mean i kind of get it because no, I, I mean it, it's a shame it, it's uh, but yeah i guess but i guess if you don't write the pregnancy in then it's like suddenly they've all of a sudden gained all of this weight out of nowhere that, that looks lose. especially like a pregnancy that they're suddenly going to lose like you know so yeah. i mean it sucks but it's like i don't i mean <laughs> i don't know right no, i mean it doesn't do. i know like but it, the reason they do that is not because is cgi good enough now to, <laughs> to fix that in post-production yeah, maybe uh i don't know it's just it's yeah but it's, it's the same as like um when actors i mean use it used to be it's not as problematic now but i mean it actually is pretty common in like um a lot of asian countries but i was reading something earlier about like uh people like shirley temple like back in the 40s and 50s in the entertainment business they would have to like hide their relationships because if fans knew they were in a relationship they would would potentially be you know a money same with like rock hudson why he had to have a beard because it's going to affect his brand and it's it's very common in a lot of um japanese and and korean actors and actresses is they don't 
talk about their relationships because it's a very they need that fan support and a lot of fans are very cut and dry like if you're in a relationship and i have no att- attempt to sway you or whatever they will like it can affect your career and it's like that's that's bonkers man like i get it it's a business it's an industry but it's like that shouldn't stop you from being a fan of an actor or actress or singer or anything but like yeah. I, don't know. I mean, it's like the same thing with like boy bands. Like they, yeah. they have to. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I feel like it's happening because I feel like because I was just thinking like I guess um, One Direction. I guess they've like publicly had like girlfriends or whatever when they were still in the band. But still, in general, like I feel like that's like a right. thing where you, you have to be available so your fans. Yeah. I don't know. They think, they that, they're, think that they're talking about you when they sing the love songs, even though all the love songs are super broad and are made to appeal to every single person and demographic, not specifically a single person. But anyway, please ignore this ham and a top hat next to me. It is. <laughs> it's not my girlfriend. It's, no, <laughs> it's a fan. <laughs> anyway, I was going to bring dessert tomorrow. So are there any foods that are making you nauseous lately? Please don't say a half sleeve of Oreos. No, I'm not going to be there. I'm leaving tonight to spend Christmas with my family. Really? It's why I like dating older men. Their parents are usually dead or senile, so there's never an argument about the holidays. Why aren't you and Colleen going with her? Oh, you know, uh, Colleen is frail, and Avery is in her third trimester. <gasps> you haven't told Colleen about the baby yet. What? I have been watching The Mentalist a lot lately because my TV's on CBS and I lost my remote. I think I've become a body language expert. For instance, I can now tell that Jack wants to kill the person to his right. Why haven't you told her? I just haven't found the right time. This is, this is no excuse. This is her granddaughter that we are I talking. cannot have the two of you on the same side of an argument. We Donaghy's believe that when there's something at all delicate to talk about, it is best to suppress it until it erupts into a fistfight at a church barbecue. I understand all that, Jack. The symbol on the Jessup family crest is a knight refusing to talk about his feelings. But this baby is not bad news. You don't know, Colleen. We're not married, Avery. Why should that matter? I mean, she did the same thing. I mean, what did Colleen say when you told her you knew about your real dad? <gasps> you never told her about Milton either. I am the mental Liz. You that have was so over many a secrets. year ago. How did you not so fun act note there, like Elizabeth Banks like has uses the exact same tone when she finds out that Jack hasn't told Colleen about the pregnancy. Like as early, uh, I guess it must have been late last season when she's having like the hormone freak out or whatever. Like the exact same like high pitched yeah. like you made me sound like my mother. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's doing that whole yeah. So and good, then, good, good continuation yeah, of good continuity personality good traits. Uh, yeah, there's that, and then and her and Liz's pitches are just about the same. So it's just yeah. like these two squawking voices coming at him. He can't, he can't take it. But it's also continuity of Jack being the very uh, regressive uh, Irishman of we don't talk about problems, we push them all down, and we don't we don't deal with them until they erupt in usually a drunken manner. Like he's been, it comes out obviously. Uh, meanwhile. Uh, we learn that Tracy has bought the rights to his latest movie that no one will ever see. Sir, this came for you. Thanks, KLMNOP. I've been waiting for this. Oh, I didn't know you made another Chunks movie, Mr. Jordan. <laughs> that first one was a classic. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here to celebrate the life of Althea Chunks. Damn, that's funky. Obesity is killing the African-American community. With laughter. Yeah, well, the sequel is never coming out. I bought the rights so this movie won't be released. Why wouldn't you want people to see your movie? It looks so funny. That's the problem, Ken. It's 67 minutes of me acting like hilarious fool. If this movie comes out before the Golden Globes, it'll ruin my new image. Mr. Jordan, I thought you loved acting like a fool. No, I don't. I'm lying. My favorite thing in the world is making people laugh, but I can't now. I had to go on Charlie Rose, Kenneth. Charlie Rose! That's horrible. I have no choice. I gotta stay serious. From now on, the only movies Tracy Jordan makes are about the Holocaust, Georgia O'Keefe, or both. So do you know what that's referencing, the thing with Tracy not wanting the movie come out to ruin his Oscar chances? Uh, I, I was thinking about it. I, I don't have a specific... Uh, example but i'm pretty sure i I know that there is like a trend among movie stars that will 
generally save what they what they know is going to be a a bust of a movie usually for like the winter season post oscar season because they're like the nominees are already in and there's not much i can do but like i just have to take a wash but i can't think of any specific examples so after eddie murphy did dream girls he was in the, the oscar competition no, uh norbit oh that's right yeah that's right so yeah. well i i think there's i think a lot of people think that he probably wouldn't have won anyway but the reason it's referenced is because like right mm-hmm. so dream girls came out got a lot of oscar buzz so at least at one point he was considered at least a main contender for to win the oscar for that and then that same holiday season, the movie Norbit came out, which same type of thing. Like he played like I think multiple characters. Right. Like, well, I mean, the chunks are based off the Nutty Professor, the Clumps. So right. There was Nutty Professor, and then the Clumps were introduced in that, and then they had a sequel, Nutty Professor to the Clumps. But and then it was famously like so poorly reviewed, apparently so terrible that I guess the popular myth has become that Norbit basically tanked his Oscar chances. Which mm-hmm. I think people agree now that it he, there it's he may not have won anyway, but still just because it was such a huge bomb it came out like really like literally i mean you know around this time so right in campaign season or campaign season yeah it'd be right so now it's like um when what's his face um uh uh steven no eddie, eddie redmayne because he was in jupiter sending like that came out i think it, it was it was the year that he ended up winning an oscar i think but there was like all the talk of like, is this going to be his Norbit or whatever? Because oh, I mean, Jupiter Sending wasn't that bad, but it was like pretty I mean, massive. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, it definitely was, but like, so what well, wasn't? Uh, what was the one they did before that? That was like three hours long that the Wachowskis did. Cloud Atlas wasn't Cloud Atlas kind of like? Oh, using Cloud Atlas. No, no, no. I'm saying because oh. it was a Wachowski film also, but oh. I feel like that one was kind of critically panned, like not as bad as as well, Jupiter Sending. I mean, Cloud Atlas was. And it, it would have been like an Oscar thing that it just wasn't good because like it's based off like the, it's based yeah. off like a like a like super like highly acclaimed novel. And I think the intention yeah. was to make it like an awards play, but I think and it just I mean it didn't definitely like had it. that uh, that clout and the the cast to make it an awards play movie. I, I thought it was super cool. I thought it was a fun movie, long as hell. But yeah, um, I think it, it was. I mean, definitely not as poorly reviewed uh, critically as uh, Jupiter Ascending. But Jupiter's ending was cool. I mean, it's creative as hell. I think that's what the Wachowskis do the best is just create incredibly cool worlds. Just in terms of the mythos and the understanding and the logic that they have going into it, they're like, you know, big galaxy brain thinking, but they create really cool worlds. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so any so <laughs> when you get to a war season, you'll hear a lot about like, is this going to be someone's Norbit or like mm-hmm. Norbiting the award season? So anyway, this yes, yeah, so that's like a mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, no, that's direct reference to definitely <laughs> to that. Most, yeah, the Norbit stuff. Yeah, that was definitely like a movie. I think if I was like five years younger, I'd probably be like, I want to watch Norbit. But even when Norbit was coming out, I was well beyond like, yeah, that's that's just trash. There's no way that movie's going to be any good. Uh, no offense, Eddie. But he, he got some more buzz recently, right? Because of the... Um, oh, he was totally... Yeah, he was Dolomite. And I mean, that was... He was really, really good. Like, And that was sort of... Was that like a biographical... Was it a fantastical biographical pick? And that like... It's about the fictional Dolomite character? Or was it... It's about it was, the creation of Dolomite. So it was basically the disaster artist. Okay. But if disaster artist was not making fun of something like it was it was basically about the making Behind of, the of that movie okay. but it wasn't like the whole thing was a disaster it was like this is like what launched like that mm-hmm. basically that character in like the the black exploitation like okay. explosion yeah. and, no, the, and that was that was, netflix that's not netflix abridged but netflix was, lost the distribution no it was netflix oh. it was a netflix original yeah but it was a theatrical release too right well it was because i mean i guess okay. there's still a requirement you have to run in theaters for a set amount of time to be eligible for oscars but i mean it was a, it was a netflix it was a netflix okay. original and they yeah. you know they ran it in for yeah, I, heard, I remember hearing good i haven't, I haven't checked it, it was out. good i, I liked it a added lot it to my queue but i haven't watched it yeah. i heard really good things about it i liked it a lot it's really yeah. good and he was really good in that role it's just i think that was a year too you know i think that was the year there was like the infamously like packed best actor category mm-hmm. and i think he was still robbed because it was i mean to me it was like he, he did a really outstanding job with that character but you know because it, 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 right because that was the that was when he hosted snl that time mm-hmm. and it was the first time oh, at snl yeah. in a long time because i mean he was he really fantastic he was campaign yeah he was great and yeah. he, he actually i think i think he just won the 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 emmy for for like guest actor for his hosting 
Um, so I guess it was last year, like a year yeah, after. It been, yeah, the December before or the yeah, it would have been the. I think he did the Christmas before, show. Oh, sorry, so 2019. Yeah, or 2018, he would have done the Christmas episode for 2018. Yeah, no, 2019. 20, yeah, we're in 2020, so it would have been the Christmas episode of 2019. Or I'm sorry, yes, you're right. 2019. Yeah. That was okay. So that was last. That, that was, was last Christmas. Day. Okay, so, yeah. so that wasn't as long ago as I thought it was. It feels like it. Gosh. <laughs> uh, but back to Jack's uh, apartment, Elaine Stritch is on the scene. I didn't care much for the gazpacho soup. I mean, where's the fun of sending it back because it isn't hot? Mother. Yes. Avery and I are having a baby. I see. May I remind you, this is good news. This is a disgrace. What are my chums at the Death Shore Retirement Community going to say when I tell them that my unmarried son has knocked up a Protestant? Oh, I knew you would do this. Take a happy moment and ruin it, just like you did when I won that scholarship at my high school graduation. It should have gone to the other boys. This is the reason I waited seven months to tell you. You kept this from your own mother. Oh, oh, Colleen, don't talk to me about secrets. I know some things you've done that you would not want me to bring up right now. Most people thought I was a hero for killing Lydia's parrot. I'm going upstairs now and think about more comments for tomorrow. This isn't over! Well, it was a very foul-mouthed parrot, to be fair. I, I guess that, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't so funny It's just know. such a left-ball joke of, like, what the fuck does that mean? I guess maybe the... Maybe the parrot was giving everyone secrets away. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. Very weird. Very funny joke, though. By the way, do you know what Joel McRae's Sullivan Travels is? No. Okay, well, IMD Trivia says that Tracy's arc in this episode is very similar to Joel McRae's in Sullivan's Travels. I, 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 I don't know, know what any of those like, words th- That's are. all it says. It doesn't say if it's a book, if it's a movie. Well, it's Sullivan, so it sounds like it must be some sort of parody of Gulliver's Travels. Yeah, that's right. Or Gu- Gulliver's, Gulliver's Travels. Yeah, Gulliver's yeah. Travels. Yeah. Sullivan's Travels is a 1941 film. Oh, my God. Successful movie director John Sullivan, played by Joel McRae, convinced he won't be able to film his ambitious masterpiece until he has suffered, dons a hobo disguise and sets off on a journey aiming to know trouble firsthand. Uh, I think that piece of trivia is a little bit of a stretch. I don't think that's even close to no. what the story arc is about. No, because he never Tracy didn't go back to struggling to get. I mean, he didn't go back to struggling, but he was like reintroduced to his old life that gave him the the power to commit to a dramatic role. Now that's that's a that's stretch bad, on bad, 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 bad trivia. That's not trivia. That's that's just wrong. So, Jack calls Milton to invite him to holiday, I'm sorry, Christmas dinner. It's Christmas dinner. Uh, I, I do like the running gag they have uh, in this that uh, anytime someone says anything but Christmas dinner, Jack and Avery like roll their eyes or try to correct them to say that it's Christmas dinner. And Alan Alden, Milton's character, is saying everything but Christmas. Like He's like uh, winter solstice party and druid solstice evening and happy before something eve like just he's going out of his way to make it not christmas related um but anyway back at jack's apartment liz has shown up for the christmas attack zone merry christmas jack sorry i finished the oreos in the cab i'm glad you could make it lemon welcome to my christmas attack zone your what what does that mean professor milton green is on his way here from penn station milton your father is coming here please tell me that colleen has no idea the father that she hid from me for 50 years, the man that she doesn't even know, I know exists, is joining us for supper. Uh, red or white? White! Jack, what are you doing? You promised me a drama-free dinner. I could be sitting at the corner table at the Kmart Cafe right now. Oh, that must be Dad. Wait, does Milton know that Colleen is here? No, I want it all to be fresh. Will he erupt with anger over her years of secrecy? Who knows? Milton's a hippie pacifist. But I once saw Colleen provoke a Buddhist monk into whipping a battery at her. My boy, oh Jack, this is going to be the best Winter's Eve light festival ever. Liz! And a happy whatever you believe in, too. No, 
I am not letting this happen. Milton Jack has an ulterior motive for bringing you here. Uh, yes, it's true. You're going to be a grandfather. Oh, what a blessing. Oh, life is beautiful. Joy, beautiful spark of the gods. Daughter of Elysium. And Liz, you're already showing. No, it's not me. And that is not what he has to tell you. Colleen is here and Jack is using you to ambush her. Why would you do that? I'll tell you why. Because when my mother found out about your granddaughter... It's a girl. She'll be intuitive. Colleen did not see it as a blessing. She saw it as an embarrassment because my girlfriend Avery and I are not married. An embarrassment? She has no right to judge you. She needs to read my new book. There's no wrong way to make a family. That's for you. I agree with you, Milton, but Colleen disapproves. Well, that's awfully hypocritical for a woman who kept her son a secret from his own father. I'm going to give her a piece of my mind tonight. Oh, great. Avery's here, and she looks mad. Jack, I got your message. How dare Colleen disapprove of me, of us? Oh, sweetheart, I'm sorry. I didn't mean for my message to make you angry and have you come all the way back here. Now there are three people here that are mad at Colleen. Wait, this is Avery? How could that woman not adore such a beautiful daughter-in-law? Oh. By the way, we have a tradition in my family where we let the child name itself. Oh, yeah, that's it. Not Absolutely not. Well, suit yourself, but my son Spider-Man turned out just fine. Okay, this is disgusting. It is Christmas. You are not going to ambush an old woman for the mistakes that she has made. I mean, who hasn't made mistakes? I once French-kissed a dog at a party to try to impress what turned out to be a very tall 12-year-old. Lemon, we all know what mistakes are. I'm going to tell Colleen what's happening while you all calm down. Where's her room? Don't worry. I sent her to the East Wing. It's very confusing. It was designed by M.C. Escher. Mother, dinner is ready. And that's the last time we ever saw this. Yeah, R.I.P. No. <laughs> uh, I feel like Milton... Milton's a little bit out of character from what we know. Like, I know he would be upset that he's keep, that she's keeping secrets, but I don't feel like he would be immediately on Jack's side. I think he would be a little bit more like Liz and either be a mediator or or be like... Like, well, let's not gang up on her. I don't know. Yeah, he's pretty genial, but as Jack said, Colleen once compelled a Buddhist monk to, to throw a battery at her. So. so maybe, yeah, maybe She's because it's effect. Colleen, he's, he's reached a, a level. I'm not sure. It's fun, though. But it's it's fun to see Jack happy, but, like, happy for the wrong reasons. Like, he's happy that he's going to break him, break his mother's heart. So it's like, dinner's ready. Like, it's, just, it's like Norman Bates level creepy of, you shouldn't be finding joy in this. Uh, meanwhile, um, Kenneth sort of gives Tracy a bit of a pep talk to uh, to remind him that laughter is important, uh, but Tracy's still insistent that he's going to show his hard-to-watch, that is what it's called, hard-to-watch, hard-to-watch movie at the uh, the women's shelter. Uh, but back at Jack's, the confrontation happens between them and Colleen. Mother, you look lovely. I see you brought the bag that my bastard grandchild will come in. Merry Christmas, Mrs. Donaghy. My gift to you is the feeling of superiority you'll have for the next two seconds. Is she drunk, Jack? Because you know when you're pregnant, one bottle of wine a day and that's it. Uh, Mother, you must remember Milton Green, my father, and your shameful sex secret. Why would you bring him here? Oh, I see. Trying to make me look like the bad guy, is that it? You are the bad guy. You kept me from my son for 50 years. You didn't miss much. He's a good boy. He got me a kidney from Elvis Costello. All that time lost because of you and your pride. And think of what I've lost. Going on father and son Habitat for Humanity builds and road trips in my VW van. Yeah, or other things. And then you dare to judge us and our life decisions? Who do you think you are? God, this house is enormous. Oh, hi, Colleen. I tried to stop this. Well, Mother, what do you have to say for yourself? It's speechless. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, one and all. So I love the visual gag in the scene of Liz <laughs> just suddenly coming out of the secret passage behind, like, the, the bookshelf with the candelabra yeah. in her hand. Yeah. She found her way. She she survived. Um, but yeah, there that that's where that scene there with Colleen's speech because I'm like, okay, she's I knew like she's gonna fake a heart attack because that that's logically the next step because what can she she can't say anything so obviously her next move has to be a physical move. 
Um, but again, it's not bad because it's predictable, but it's just like, what else could she do? Because she can't deride them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I also, well, I should say, right. And that's really the first time we've ever seen her struggle is, for yeah. a quip or a comeback or anything. Like she, she, usually she's a couple steps ahead of everyone, but that one, she was so, yeah. <laughs> she, she's too far behind to, to right. catch up right, yeah. right away. Like, I think if, if he had just introduced Avery, she could have had, a, like, she had a comeback ready where she's like, you know, I don't, I, unacceptable. You're the bad that's carrying my grand, like, yeah. my bastard grandchild. She was ready for Avery. She wasn't ready for Milton, so she yeah, she's she's a couple steps behind, but it's she's not gonna let it stop her. Also, I really like Milton's line reading of he's a good boy, <laughs> he got me a kidney. Like in the tone like he would say, he got me like I don't know, like a watch or a train set or right, something. Yeah. He got me a kidney. Yeah, but I mean it's continuing the plot line from that episode. Uh, and yes. then I also like the read, you know, we could have been building houses for half that few minutes and <laughs> driving around on my my bus and like Jack's looking at him like literally any anything else you know like throwing a softball teaching me how to drive like there's so many other things you could have named and you landed on those two options and it's just it's fun but yeah so after liz gets a call from jenna about the cost the perfect costume design that she wants to wear for new queers eve liz refuses to waste time with jenna and goes to console colleen but colleen is not down for too long hi colleen Hmm. Are you all right? Just thinking about my next move. No, no. What next move? This thing hasn't even started. Welcome to my Christmas attack zone. Ladies of the Batted Woman's Shelter, please be quiet. A man is talking. You're about to watch a film that holds a mirror up to your own terrible lives. You're going to see poverty, drug abuse, and a bunch of babies having a hammer fight in a dumpster. Comedy is just as important, important, important. Laughter is the best medicine, medicine, medicine. Damn it, I can't get Kenneth out of my head. Actually, he's behind you, Trey. He rode over here with us. You talked to him the whole ride. Well, he's right. People do need to laugh, and I'm the medicine. What are you doing? Something I should have done a long time ago. A long time ago, you just got here. Shut up, Dotcom. Ladies and children, I give you the chunks too. A very chunky Christmas. Lights! Damn Christmas lights blew up! So Tracy does the right thing and provides some laughter for some uh, some families that really needed it. Um, but that is that's that's the scene that has my my line of the episode and with <laughs> women. Oh God, just it's awful. It's not funny, but it is funny because he's just so unaware of what he's saying. But it works because they immediately stop talking. That's true. So ugh, yikes! But it's kind of a good send up because like then he goes into a speech about. Uh, you know, like your terrible lives of poverty. So it's like it's to me, it's like kind of like making fun of like Hollywood people who like make like quote unquote serious movies that <laughs> you know shows whatever, but they're still like talking down to the audience. Right. Like I realize, like for him, like the it's the film is like sort of autobiographical because that's you know going back to the scene when the the the, the Kinko store mm-hmm. where he whatever. So it's not like he hasn't experienced that himself, but I guess it's he's also but he's, he's been so, so successful for so long. But now he's out of touch and like. You know, talking down to them by right. I don't know, like it's a reflection. showing a serious movie <laughs> yeah. about how terrible you know, like your lives are like the right. serious terrible movie, a reflection of your horrible lives and yeah. drug abuse and violence, and but he does the right thing, and it's, it's a good moment. I mean, he he gives those children and those those women a, a fun time. But back at Jack's apartment, um, is, is it even fair to call it an apartment? Because he's it's, it's I don't even know what you call his house apartment, his living situation. Because it's technically an apartment, but he said he's bought multiple floors. Yeah. And I don't know. It doesn't, it's pedantic. It doesn't matter. His massive dwelling space. His massive dwelling space in which he lives. Um, Colleen unleashes her Christmas attack zone on the rest of the family. Well, this has turned out to be the opposite of what I wanted, and I'm going to leave before anything else happens. So. Oh, my God. My arm is numb. What are you doing now, Mother? I think 
The stress. Don't go to her. Do you have shortness of breath? Are you sweating? Do you have neck or jaw pain? I had a couple rich men die on top of me. It's like something like my son sitting on my chest. We should call an ambulance. We are not calling anyone. What's the matter with you? Your mother's not well. Can't you see that she's faking, Milton? There. Did anybody see that? We have to call an ambulance. Listen to me, damn it, I'm a doctor. Of history. In what emergency would you be necessary? If someone wanted to know whether the 60s were awesome or not? They were. You hang in there. You need to meet our daughter, little Colleen. Seems like people are back on my side, Jackie. I mean, wouldn't that be a big red flag? Like, what's that? What's that mean? That was just a stage whisper aside that uh, only Jack could hear. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I forgot theatrical readings. Yeah. And she does mention in that scene, like sitting on her chest. So you're probably right with the heart mm-hmm. attack thing. Because like, I, I guess I just heard about the arm going numb, so I took that as stroke. But you're right that I mean, the sitting on the chest makes sense for yeah. her being a heart attack. Yeah. So I don't think, yeah, I don't think that's a symptom of a stroke. But I'm not a doctor. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean. The whole, the whole turn is so quick and all she has to do is just fake a medical emergency and immediately everyone's on her side again. But She's using her old person privilege yeah. there. It's funny that they don't show Liz. I mean, they show Liz at the start of that scene, but like she's not able to react or they don't show her reacting that yeah, much to what's true. going on. But she's she's probably like Jack. She's like, it's, she's faking it, but you know, it's not her place to really say anything. Uh, meanwhile, at Jenna's apartment, her and Paul... Uh, decide to share their idea for what would be the best uh, holiday costume at the new Queer's Eve. Paul, my ex-lover. Listen, I'm not here because I want to get back together. Good. Me neither. Can I get you a cup of coffee or an absinthe enema? No, thank you. I, I can't stay. I just wanted to let you know that I had an amazing idea for a couple's costume. Well, so did I. What's yours? Well, maybe we should just say them at the same time and see what happens. You I dress as Natalie Portman, Portman from the movie Black Swan. You dress, dress as former Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver and Pennsylvania gubernatorial nominee Lynn Swan. We're two Black Swans! Well, it is a druid solstice miracle that it wasn't a heart attack. Yes, I do believe a heart is required. That is enough, Jack. What happened tonight was so scary, and the reason that it happened is that we were not being honest with each other. So from now on, no more secrets. Okay, I'll go first. I have a crush on the mentalist. Just family only, Lemon, dammit. There is one more secret Jack and I have been keeping from all of you. We were planning to elope in the Caribbean over New Year's, but now we want you all to come. Oh, how wonderful. (laughs) You know what I learned tonight? As hard as you try, no one can escape the horror of Christmas. So it might as well be with your own family. I'm going to go get a bus to Whitehaven now, and I should be home just in time for Aunt Linda to try to prove that she's sober by holding someone's baby while cooking. Listen, Jackie, everything I've ever done in life has been to protect you. I know. And if I got upset earlier, it's because I want your life to be perfect. Unlike mine. Don't let him off the hook, Colleen. What he did tonight was wrong, and he owes you an apology. He's right. I almost died. And using your father like that is so disrespectful. He's a doctor, for God's sakes. Your mother and I are very disappointed in you, Jack. What are you smiling at, you fruitcake? Just my mom and dad yelling at me together. Milton, the Clinton boom years were just an after-effect of Reaganomics. And, Mother, you cannot invite anyone to the wedding. What Fascism. happened to hey, the heart attack? Let me tell you with this talk Lord, about Reaganomics. Uh, you, you hold back. No, you insult so your own I'll intelligence. I'll anybody I want tell you to this wedding. To this wedding or any other. Maybe I'll invite Lydia Perkins. No, my God, I it's hard to hear, but you can hear when they're shouting at each other. Colleen says something like, maybe I'll invite Lydia's dead parrot. <laughs> so I guess Lydia's still hanging on to the corpse of that poor little parrot. Maybe she's, you know, what's that, created it and she has a little urn for it. Well, we do see a parrot in the next scene that I was kind of wondering about if that was supposed to be a reference or not. But it's definitely a live yeah. parrot. 
Not I a dead it, parrot. Yeah, I've never. I guess that must be what it's referring to as the parrot. But yeah. Uh, so the episode closes with uh, Pete and I'm sorry, Pete. No, uh, Paul and Jenna singing "Oh Holy Night" as it's sort of a montage of uh, Tracy's uh, at the women's shelter, uh, Liz getting on the bus to Whitehaven, and Jack still getting yelled at by his parents in the hospital. Uh, it's a, I mean, it's a fun song and uh, their harmonies are really good. Like they're, they're obviously very talented singers. So it's a, it's a, it's a good outro. Uh, and then the, I guess we can play, I'll play it out for the podcast and then uh, we'll do our, uh, our adieus and everything after. So long lay the world in sin and darkness pining till he appeared and the soul felt his worth a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious So that's Christmas Attack Zone. Uh, final thoughts before we say adieu. Paul had a very good costume as Natalie yeah. Portman in Black Swan. He was very convincing. Yeah, he's got all the details like on the hands, like the paint on the hands, like looking like veins and everything. Like, uh, yeah, I thought he did a good job and far more topical than at the time. Um, had, that's Aronofsky, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought it was a good film. I was, it was good to see Mila Kunis in something that wasn't <sighs> trash. Because I feel like she's she's made, like, like she was great in that 70s show. And she's consistent on Family Guy, but it's Family Guy. You know, it's kind of like low-hanging fruit. Um, but, like, I feel like a lot of other roles she's been in just... We didn't like Bad Moms or Bad Moms too. I haven't seen Bad I haven't Moms. either. I'm sure they're, like, that seems like kind of my kind of comedy, so I should check it out, because I like Anna Gast. Is it Anna Gasteyer, or is it, uh, I always get Anna Gasteyer and the lady from, oh, God, what's her name? Oh, I'm blanking. Jessica, Christine. Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn. Yes, it is Cat. Yes, it's Catherine yeah. Hahn, not Anna Gostar. No, I but because they they kind of look similar, like same. Well, that's true. I can yeah, everything. I can see that. Um, I think Anna Gostar would be a little bit too old to be playing that role at that time. But uh, anyway, um, but yeah, I think uh, Black Swan should have been a role that helped catapult, catapult uh, Mila Kunis to other roles, but. Seems yeah, like it seemed like really, she was right. It seems like she, she was going to get like down. a boost off of that, but she kind of went back doing just like rom-coms yeah. and I don't know, I guess maybe action movies and stuff, but not, she didn't, yeah. she hasn't really done any, any other Oscar maybe, or, But then it may, I don't want to speak for maybe she doesn't want to do a lot of those. That's true. Maybe she's happy where she I is. I mean, she probably has a lot of that 70s show money, so she can pretty much that's true. do and, what she wants. Yeah. And she does, she does a lot of good uh, political, not political, but um, um, what's the word? C word, charitable, charitable work. Uh, like she's, she's, she's really big on the whole, um, Tra- human trafficking and stuff like that like her and Ashton Kutcher are very outspoken about that whole thing um, anyway uh, but yeah no, Black Swan's super good that was, was that his follow up to The Wrestler or? Uh, it was definitely after The Wrestler but I think I'm trying to think sure. if Aronofsky had another movie in between those two yeah because The Wrestler was 2008 I think hold on I'll figure it out uh, that's not chronological does it say the years? Yeah, but it's not a chrono. It's like all over the place. Yeah, mm-hmm. Wrestler was 08. Black Swan was 2010. The mm-hmm. Fighter was 2010. Oh, he did The Fighter? Hmm. Uh, I guess so. I don't know. Is that... 
Um, so uh, the next thing I'm seeing is Noah in 2014. Oh, well, that but this was... is all out of order, so it's hard to tell if that yeah, was. No, I think yeah, Noah was. Yeah, Noah was. That was pretty bad. bad. I didn't see it, but that's it was yeah, pretty bad. Was... I heard yeah, critically it was pretty panned, and yeah. it was just like it was one of those movies. Like, why did we need this? Like, this story has been told a thousand times. But then he, I think he came back with Mother. I thought. And then he came back with Mother, solid. which was also reviled, but I thought it was an underrated gem. Yeah, I thought it was well worth it. I mean, yeah. I didn't feel like I wasted my time with it. No, and it really if good. you know what it's like, you can figure out what it's about. Like, I'm stupid, and I got all the allegories that they were referring to. So, yeah. And I thought, like, it, technically, an incredibly well done film. Like, all takes place in one house, and there's a lot of, like, steady shots and uh, one take, sh- or seemingly one take shots and stuff. I thought it was super well done. Uh, movie, but, I um, agree. Yeah. Um, so sorry, he was just a he was just an executive producer on the fighter, not not ah. the director. Um, I don't see anything listed after Mother, so I'm not sure if he has anything else in the pipeline right now. Hmm. Maybe take a bit of a, maybe the breakup with Jennifer Lawrence put him into a, yeah. a writer's block. <laughs> well, that and like no one if no one Mother or his last two movies and they weren't exactly money makers, then I don't know. <laughs> maybe uh. I mean, is he, uh and like his movies aren't really money makers. They're well, Black players. Swan made a lot of money. It was it was a yeah. It was but a that was his first bit. Most of his are more critically acclaimed versus That's box true. office appeal. So That's true. Black Swan probably his only because Requiem for a Dream was yeah. not exactly a big box office thing, but it sort of has like a yeah, cult That's a status cult. and wrestler. It was kind of yeah. saying like more awards than it actually brought into the box. And office. something called The Fountain, which I don't. That was uh, Hugh Jackman. That was like a super mm-hmm. like uh, two thousand five, two thousand six. Yeah, good. Like a super surreal because. Yes. I have like a very good memory of movies that came out in 2003, 2006, because that was when I was working at the movie theater. So I basically remember a lot of the movies that came out around that time because you see all the trailers for them all the time. Um, but yeah, that was like a super surreal, trippy kind of movie that, again, was like critically acclaimed, but not box office. Yeah, no, you're right. That's actually like, so Wrestler made $45 million on a $6 million budget. Blast One is by far his biggest hit. It made 330 on a $13 million budget, but those were right. basically his only... But I mean, like, <laughs> still getting forty-five on an eight million budget. That's, yeah, that, that's a that big, is that's a, a good big return. Success. It's not yeah. hundreds of millions of dollars, but it yeah. still is like pretty good. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, anytime um, you're going budget. Oh, I'm. I stand corrected on Noah. Apparently, it made three six three hundred sixty million worldwide. So it must have done better worldwide than yeah, it did in the U.S. International then. So it did okay worldwide, but Mother, I think, was. Let's see. I mean, my guess is that it was just I'm a big say old it flop. Probably but didn't make over a hundred million. It no well it, no it didn't make hundred but it made forty five on a thirty budget which is not as bad as I would have guessed based on uh, that movie cost thirty million dollars oh yeah I mean there was a lot of I mean I, I don't know like if you just think of the scene without getting spoilers at the end once that's yeah. everyone descends on the property is the best way to say it without spoiling it. I mean that is a lot of who was the husband in that. Harvey Birdman? Yep, Harvey Birdman. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and then I mean it had, it had I mean lots That's, of like, yeah. I feel like, like Michelle Pfeiffer ran. Yeah, I think it budgeted like, more to the cast yeah, than the actual. Yeah, I mean Jennifer Lawrence. That was I mean, twenty seventeen. So I mean that was still pretty peak. You know, coming off yeah. Hunger Games and her Oscar win. So mm-hmm. she was still pretty. Was amazing. she a Silver Linings Playbook with her Oscar win? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was a couple years after that. Yeah. How did we get here? Oh. Because um, <laughs> the Black Swan costume. Black Swan, yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. And um, it's a nice scene where where Jack finally gets his. Yeah. Uh, I won't say fancy, but like I don't know, just like the his parents both in one place, <laughs> like the the a scene that most kids you know kids have in their childhood. And don't want to don't want to repeat of he's he's finally getting that yeah. his parents together and yelling at him and being together for the first time in his life. Yeah, I'm sure that's a fulfilling uh, moment. Even though it's not maybe the best setting, being in a hospital and having your parents yell at you. But yeah, that was a good scene. Again, this is a bit more of like a touching, touching episode in a weird Thirty Rock way of like Tracy doing the right thing, Jack getting what he wanted all of his life, and things like that. So we're sort of closing a chapter on that. Um, yeah, solid. And it doesn't officially get them back together, but I guess this puts Paul and Jenna back together. I don't know if we officially... Because I know they keep dating, but I can't remember if this is them actually getting back together or not. Uh, and we'll just have to stay tuned and find out. Hooray! Uh, all right, well, as always, thank you for joining us on Go To There. If you like what we're doing, rating and reviewing, all that fun stuff is going to be the best way to help us out. Otherwise, we will see you in next week's episode 91 
uh, entitled Mrs. Donaghy, where we're returning from Christmas break into the new year, so we'll be back in 2011. Uh, and there was a mix-up on the wedding certificate. So who married Jack in the Caribbean? Colleen. We'll just have to stay tuned and find out. Mm. Uh, and then the credit scene for this episode is kind of... It's kind of weird they did the same song twice, but they have Tracy in the in the chunks um, get up in the makeup from the movie singing Oh Holy Night, which is... Like, they just had Jenna and Paul sing it, so why singing it again? But uh, it just it's sort of the credit scene, so it's, it's goofy. Uh, but otherwise, we will see you next week. David, take us out. See you next time. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. And I hope everybody, everybody have a Merry Christmas and somebody needs to clean this table up. It's disgusting. Fred, wake up. Merry Christmas from the chunks. Ladies of the Batted Woman Shelter, please be quiet. A man is talking. <laughs>